today for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Today we honor you. And Lord, as we gather, I pray that every heart would be uplifted. I pray that you would speak to each one of us, Holy Spirit, through your word. May we leave this place, Lord, full of faith, full of hope. And Lord, may we approach this week with a sense of divine purpose and destiny. We thank you, Lord, that we can declare boldly because if you are for us, who can be against us? And we thank you for your great love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Good to see you this morning. And for those of you that are watching online, I see you by faith. And uh, I pray that you um, are enjoying and, uh, the service from your homes or wherever you are. Maybe if you watch later in the week, a lot of people will do that. As you know, our services are on uh, YouTube, and you can go to YouTube, just put in Newport Church, and you can kind of catch up with where we're up to. Yes, next weekend is, is daylight saving, and one hour less sleep, well, it's easy. You just go to bed an hour earlier, and uh, uh, it's not the day to stay away from church. It's the day to be in the house, get up early, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready for church. And uh, we're going to have a great day in the house of God. Um, you know, I did that once. I put my, I had an iPhone when I first got an iPhone. I resisted. And did anyone resist getting an iPhone? I resisted getting an iPhone. I had a Blackberry. Anyone here had a Blackberry? Remember those, the Crackberries? And uh, I, I, I loved my BlackBerry. I can tell you, I loved my BlackBerry. For email, it leaves uh, iPhone 4 dead. Uh, and I resisted. At one point, I had both. I had an iPhone and a, and a BlackBerry. Um, but very reluctantly, I moved over. So I did that. I, I changed. I put the clocks uh, forward one hour on my BlackBerry, on my, on my iPhone, rather, and I think it went off two hours early because it adjusts itself automatically. So if you've got an iPhone, ignore what Jacob said. Do not listen to Jacob if you have an iPhone. Do not adjust your iPhone. You've been warned. So anyway, this Sunday, can you believe this? It is one year to the day since we had our last meeting in church before the lockdown. One year. And I've I got to tell you, I would never have thought that this season would have gone on for so long, uh, but I'm sure glad that we're emerging out of it. And I know that there are many people who are starting to come back to church in person, and we do have a saying here, find your place at your own pace, which is uh, right across the board, every aspect of church life, including those of you that are taking some time to re-enter into a church service, and we want, to, we want to do everything we can to help you to do that. So we're continuing online, continuing to have our services here in church, and we're so glad that we can move through that. But I, I, I know over the, I remember Michael Elman, who's our business manager, we, we'd be talking and we'd be saying, hey, we're going to be open last year. We're, we're, I think after Easter we'll be open. Then it was after Memorial Day. <laughs> Then it was maybe after July 4th. Then it was well, maybe the school September. Then maybe, just, you know, maybe, maybe 2021. I'm just going to stop there. Um, 
But here we are. We've survived, and we're surviving. And we're not only surviving, we're flourishing. Anyone out there believe that we should not just survive, but we should flourish in the midst of all of the challenges. So for those of you that are a part of our church and have been journeying with us through this year and through previous years, every year we have a, a theme for the year, which is our focus for the year. Um, it's not exclusive to that year, but it's a focus for the year. And the word that came to me at the end of last year, and I felt the Holy Spirit putting on my heart, was the word presence. And we've been talking this year, as we've entered into this year, about how God's presence makes all the difference. Anyone ever experienced the presence of God? There's a difference between the omnipresence of God, God being present everywhere, and His manifest presence, where we sense His presence. My Christian life began with an encounter with Jesus, where I sensed His presence in such a powerful way that it transformed my life, changed the trajectory of my life. I accepted Christ as my Savior. And ever since then, I've always placed the highest value on God's presence. We've also talked about how our presence makes all the difference. Your presence makes all the difference. In every area of your, your life and your world, your presence is so important. And so that has been our focus. And over the last couple of years, we've been speaking about our presence, God's presence, the level of God's presence, the dimension of God's presence, the, the, the uh, uh, extent to which we experience God's presence is really dependent upon our hearts. If our hearts are open to God, we're going to experience His presence. If our hearts welcome God and invite God in, we're going to experience His presence. But if our hearts are closed or our hearts are resistant or our hearts are hard, we're not going to experience God's presence in the same way. So what a great opportunity for us. God's waiting. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I'll come in and I'll sit down and I'll eat with them. And so Jesus is wanting us to open that door. And I believe that's not just a one-off when I uh, when I accepted Christ 420 years ago, not really, uh, when I accepted Christ all those years ago, 42 years ago it is that I accepted Christ as my Savior, um, but it's every day I want to open the door and invite God's presence in. And then, of course, um, and then of course our heart determines where we are present. You remember if you started to develop a relationship with a significant other, you wanted to spend time with them. At least one person in here did. You, 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 you wanted to spend time with them. You wanted to be present with them. You were probably thinking about them. Your mind was present. You were on the phone. You were talking to them. You were wanting to hang out with them. You're wanting to be with them. Why? Because your heart determines where you're present. You are here this morning because your heart is about being present in the house of God, being present in an atmosphere of faith, being present in a place of worship. Your heart, whether you're watching online or whether you're here, your heart, our hearts determine our presence. Jesus said, wherever, where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. In other words, where your heart is, you're going to invest your time. You're going to invest your finance. You're going to invest your life where your heart is. So we've been talking about the heart. And it's essential if our heart is the key to God's presence and to where we presence ourselves, it's essential that we have a healthy heart. And which is why Solomon, who was considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived, and I, 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 I've got a little kind of a, 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 an add, adder to that. If he was so wise, why was he so unwise when it came to the, his, all of his multiple marriages and allowing his wives from other countries to uh, practice idolatry outside of Jerusalem? That's a whole other subject. He was, though, considered to be the wisest man one of the wisest men that ever lived. We talk about the wisdom of, thank you. We talk about the wisdom of Job. Did someone say Job? We talk about the patience of Job and the wisdom of Solomon. Thank you. All right. So this is what Solomon said. Proverbs 4.23, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it flow the springs of life. I want you to think about that, that phrase, out of it flow the springs of life. Any of you, have you ever been to a mountain spring that's bubbling fresh water and drunk from that water and it's crystal clear and it tastes like no other water that you've ever tasted. Tasted. There's a flow that comes out of this. That's what Solomon is saying is if your heart is pure, what will flow out of it is pure, refreshing. But also when you think about the heart, you think about blood that pumps from our heart and into our heart. A healthy heart is essential for us to be able to function at optimum level is physically, mentally, and just as our heart is the source of our natural life, so our heart is the source of our spiritual life. And that's why God says, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Why God rejected Solomon because he was half-hearted and accepted David because he was a man after God's heart who had a wholehearted desire to live in God's presence. Don't live with a divided heart where your heart is taking you in two different directions. Don't live with bitterness in your heart. The Word of God is very clear, and today I want to speak about blockages of the heart. The flow of blood to, from and to our heart is essential for our health. And we know that if you have a blockage in any of the arteries in your heart, it's going to cause significant problems that will not only affect your health, but can, uh, that, that can cause you to lose your life if it's unattended. Healthy blood flow through our bodies is essential for our health. And so just as in the natural so in the spiritual. And I want to talk about two brothers who were twins, who both of them had a serious heart blockage. 
And those two brothers are Esau and Jacob. These two brothers, you probably know the story, struggled in their mother's womb. And she couldn't work out what was going on inside of her. And God said to her, there are two nations in your womb. And they are struggling with each other. One will be a greater nation. And one, the older, will serve the younger. And so she recognized that what was happening inside of her was significant as these two twins struggled. And when the twins were born, Esau was born first. He was the firstborn. And Jacob was born holding on to Esau's heel as if he was trying to pull him back so that he could come into the world first. And so they named Esau because Esau was hairy. He was like a hairy garment all over. I can't imagine what he was like, but he was hairy. And, and they called him Esau, which means hairy. He was the original hippie. Second was Jacob. Jacob was born next. And Jacob means supplanter or deceitful, because even within the womb and even at birth, he was trying to supplant his brother. And it literally means one who takes the heel. So there were clearly some heart issues with these two brothers, even within the womb and at birth. And when we follow the story of their lives, we see those develop over a period of time. The next scene in the story is where, uh, when they're grown, Esau sells his birthright, that is his position and inheritance as the firstborn, to Jacob. He comes in from the field one day, he's famished, and he says to Jacob, give me some of the stew you're eating. And Jacob says, well, give me your birthright and I'll give you some stew. Seems like a pretty poor exchange. But Esau was, was said, I'm famished, I'm about to die. Uh, hardly true, but anyway, he said, I'm famished, I'm about to die. What difference does it make? I'll give you my birthright if you give me some of your stew. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. And the Bible says that he threw away, he, he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. He gave away his inheritance for a moment of instant gratification. Sadly, too many people have given away their birthright. They have given away their inheritance because of a desire and a need and an ongoing need for instant gratification. And so the next scene we see is that as time goes by, Jacob hears, Jacob's mother, Rebekah, hears because in this story, uh, Isaac favored Esau and his mother favored uh, Jacob. And Jake, she hears that that Isaac is about to bless the firstborn. And so he calls, Isaac calls Esau, sends him out and says, go and hunt some game and bring some of the stew that I love that you make. And after you give me that, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you the blessing of the firstborn. So he went out. Meanwhile, Rebecca overheard that and told Jacob and said, here, I want, you, I want to set you up so you get the blessing of the firstborn. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to cook the food. You go and uh, kill a goat, put the hair of the goat on your arms and on your hands and on the nape of your neck so that when your father puts his hand on you, he feels that hairy garment that was on Esau 
and he's going to think that it's, it's you. So long story short, Isaac eats the food. He blesses Jacob, the second born. Esau comes in from the field and comes to his father. And his father says, who are you? And he says, I'm Esau. And at that moment, Isaac recognizes that he's blessed Jacob. Here's the interesting thing. This is a whole other subject. I'm not going to get into it now. But the importance of and the power of blessing. Because Esau says to him, well, take the blessing back. And Jacob say, uh, Isaac says, I can't take the blessing back. When I have blessed him, so he will be blessed. Parents, lay hands on your kids. Bless them in Jesus' name. There's something powerful in that. And, and here is, here's, here's Isaac, and this is what Jacob says to, uh, sorry, Isaac, Jacob, Esau. Uh, all, all names are equally interchangeable. Here we go. Isaac says to Esau, I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First, he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Now, that's the context of the, the story uh, as they unfold. And I want to talk this week about Esau. Next week, I'm going to talk about Jacob. So we're going to focus on Esau's heart blockage this week. Next week, we're going to focus on Jacob's heart blockage. But here is what happens in Esau's heart and causes a blockage of his heart at this moment. So we read in Genesis 27 and verse 41. Genesis 27, 41. Do we have the verses? Here we go. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Two brothers, two destinies, and they both had heart issues. And both of them were one word blockages. For Esau, the word was because. For Isaac, for Jacob, for Esau, the word was because. For Jacob, the word was if. And I want to focus on that word that created or caused a heart blockage in Esau. That word created a blockage in his relationship with God, with his family, with his community. It was a blockage of his heart that had the potential to take his spiritual life and did and took him out of his destiny. It was that word that he said in his heart. Whatever we say in our heart will determine the flow of life 
or whatever blocks the flow of life in our heart. What are you saying in your heart? What am I saying in my heart? What I'm saying in my heart and what you're saying in your heart is way more important often than what comes out of our mouth. What comes out of our mouth, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But it's what we're saying in our heart that will either cause a flow of life in our hearts and in every area of life, or it'll cause a blockage in our heart. So in, in, we read in Genesis 27 uh, and, and verse 41 that Jacob said, Isaac, Esau. Jacob, Isaac, Esau, Esau, Isaac, Jacob. Okay, here we go. Esau said, because of the blessing, because I was deceived, because I've been robbed, because I've been displaced, because this happened to me, because I, I feel cheated, because of what life has dealt to me, because this has all happened, he said in his heart, I'm going to kill my brother. And it changed the course of his life, and it changed his destiny completely. Whatever we say in our heart will determine the degree of the flow of God's presence in our lives and the flow of our life. It'll rob us of God's presence. What was the root of the problem? The root of the problem, what caused the blockage, what caused the barrier, what derailed him from his destiny was he said, because of what's happened, I will do this. How often in life maybe have we had an experience that has been painful, that has been hurtful, that has been disappointing, that has deeply wounded us, that we've said, because that has happened, this is what I'm going to do. Because that has happened, I will never do that again. Maybe in a relationship. You've heard it said before, people get their heart broken. Because my heart was broken, I will never trust again. Because I, was, I, 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 I had this experience, I will never do this. The root of it was a heart issue. Everything from that point in his life was going to be contaminated, colored, and poisoned by that word, because. He hated Jacob because of what had happened to him. He hated, he planned to kill him because of what Jacob had did. He was consumed with desire for revenge because of what Jacob had did had done to him. And from that moment on, he lived his life as a victim. That word because will, can make the difference between us living like a victim or a victor. And I'm going to get to this in a moment, how we can live as a victor because of where we put that word in the vocabulary and structure of our language and our lives. Because of what's happened to me, because of this event, because of COVID, 
disappointment, because of being let down, because of being betrayed, because of being overlooked, because of being left out, because of being misunderstood, because of being misrepresented, because of being badly treated, because of an offense. We're all in the same, we've all experienced those things, but, but Esau's the problem with Esau and what stopped the flow of life in him was he said, because of that, I'm going to kill my brother. And because of that, he went on to say, I'm going to get back at my parents. I'm going to get back at God. His offense set him on a pathway of offense. If we live offended, we will be set on a pathway of offense. And as a result of this, this is what he did. He not only said in his heart, I'm going to kill my brother, but he set out in his heart to, to wound and hurt his mother and father. So this is what we read. Genesis 28, 6 to 9, by this time, scene 4 or whatever scene we're up to here, Jacob finds out that Esau wants to kill him. His mother sends him away uh, and sends him away to Mesopotamia to find a wife, and we read, we pick up the story here, uh, and the reason that she gives to Isaac is, hey, if Jacob stays here, he's going to marry a Canaanite woman. God's told us not to, uh, not to marry the Canaanites. We want to find someone from your home, from Mesopotamia, for him to marry. So Isaac agrees. Isaac and Rebekah send Jacob off to Mesopotamia to find a wife, and that's another story for another time. But Genesis 28, we read here, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. Now listen to what he did. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Nabajoth, to be his wife in addition to the wives that he had. And the story goes on that they were a grief to his mother and father. He deliberately went out to do the very thing that his mother and father did not want him to do, and it was his way of retaliating and his way of, in a sense, um, a, 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 a way for him to, to uh, mete out vengeance or his revenge on what his brother had done and what his parents had done. He married someone for none of the right reasons, simply as an act of retaliation and revenge, as an affront to his parents and to God. And here's the interesting thing about Esau, and here's the interesting thing about that word because. When that word because is a reaction to the pain and the hurt and the offense that we've experienced, it always comes with an abdication of responsibility. I'm going to say that again. When that word because precedes a response that causes us to respond negatively, that causes us to, to respond in a, in a way that is, is going to bring damage, going to create uh, 
issues in our heart, in our family, in our world, that word because is always connected to and always comes with an abdication of responsibility. Who did Esau blame? Well, he blamed his brother Jacob. He blamed his mother for, for um, setting Jacob up to deceive his father. He blamed his father for being deceived. He blamed God because of the way life had turned out. In fact, he blamed everyone. And when we live as a victim of our circumstances, the result is it is always accompanied by an abdication of personal responsibility. An abdication of the fact that, yes, even though those things have happened, even though I was deceived, even though I was born with my brother trying to pull me back by the heel, even though I was born that way, I have a responsibility to respond in a positive way, to respond in a godly way, to respond in a way where I know that God can turn that situation around and bring good out of even the very worst of things that have happened to me. But that will never happen while we live as a victim. That will never happen while we're blaming everyone else. And so Esau left, his, uh, left the promised land, the land that God had promised to him. He left his rightful place. He moved out of his destiny, out of the lineage of Jesus. He moved out of his place of history, his place in history. Why? All because of that word, because. The reality is we all have the opportunity Okay, if we sat down and I went right through every single person here, we could write a shopping list of all the things that have happened to us, of all the wounds, of all the scars, of all the pain, of all the betrayals. Anyone ever been betrayed? Anyone ever prayed, Lord, I want to be more like you? Jesus, I want to be more like you? Well, God just answered your prayer. When you were betrayed, you become more like Jesus. And we wonder, oh, how, Lord, I got betrayed. Well, you prayed. I want to be more like you. Now you know. All of us. But we have an opportunity not to live as victims, offended, where we'll never trust again, where we live with a wounded spirit or cancel people in our world because they don't agree with us or cancel people because they don't think like we do or cancel people because. Cancel, in, in case anyone is in any doubt at all, cancel culture does not come from God. Otherwise, Jesus would never have been born. God would have just canceled us all a long time ago. I don't know why he didn't, but out of the great love with which he loved us. There's some truth there. Esau's problem was that he didn't take responsibility for his life or for his responses. And here's how we know this will... This, this confirms what I'm talking about. He, he, and tells us something about his heart. Listen to this. Esau did not care about his birthright. He didn't care about it. His birthright was his, his 
the right as the firstborn son and the privileges of the firstborn son. But here's the thing. The rights of the firstborn son came with responsibility. He did not want the responsibility. He wanted to live carefree. He wanted to live without responsibility. So he gave up his role as firstborn, saying, I don't care about that. I don't want the responsibility that comes with being the firstborn. I don't want the responsibility that comes with being in the lineage of Jesus. I don't want the responsibility that comes with being the one who, 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 who God is going to communicate the next thing that he's going to do for his, his purpose for mankind. He said I, he didn't want the responsibility, but when he lost the blessing, he wept like a baby. Isn't there another blessing for me? I need, I need to be stroked. I need to be loved. I need to be cared for. I... He wanted the blessing, but he didn't want any of the responsibility. And here's the thing. So often in life, we want the blessing, but we don't want the responsibility. We want the privilege without the responsibility. I'm having to stop myself here because there's some current things that are happening right now between America and the U.S., that privilege and responsibility. America and royalty. Anyway, that's as far as I'm going to go. He was like the people who want the blessing without the responsibility, the privilege without the responsibility, the fruit without the labor. And if we want to fulfill our destinies, the two go together. Responsibility and blessing go together. We can't have the blessing without the responsibility. And when, every, when Esau was blaming everyone else for what had happened in his life, he was failing to take personal responsibility for his life. And here's the key. That word because. Next, word, next week I'm talking about the word if. The blockage in Jacob's, in, in Isaac, Esau's heart. The blockage in Esau's heart was that word because. The blockage in Jacob's heart was that word if. And we'll go to that next week. Because. That word is a powerful word. It determines where we place it. If we're saying because this happened to me, then because of how badly I've been treated, that's why I'm going to justify why I'm doing this. It'll block the flow of God's life in our hearts. But it can be a source of the flow of God's life in our heart when we change that because. What would have happened if, I, if, if Esau, instead of saying, because all this has happened to me, he said, because of God's grace, I'm going to turn to him. Because of God's mercy, I'm going to ask for his forgiveness, even though I despise my birthright. I know that God is the God of second chance. Because of God's faithfulness, I'll trust him even though I've made mistakes. Because of God's covenant promises to my father, to my grandfather, concerning our descendants, our destiny, our legacy, I'm going to stay close to my father, I'm going to stay close to my family, because I know that if I do, then God's going to make a way for me to turn around all of this mess and bring something great out of it. 
What if he said, because of God's goodness, I know that God is able to redeem this situation. The whole direction and course of his life would have changed because of what came after that word, because. And I think for all of us, as we look at this uh, subject, and I'm going to get the worship team to come right now, when we look at this in relation to our own lives, yes, There are a lot of things that we could say because this happened to me, because of this pain, because of this wound, because, yes, but how much more powerful for us to live with that because followed by the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the purpose of God, God's ability to turn situations around. I love Ephesians chapter 2. It says, because of the great love with which God loved us. He made us alive, even though we were dead through our trespasses and sins. He made us alive together with Him and has raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. For by grace we have been saved through faith and not by works, because of the great love with which He's loved us, because Jesus forgave me, because I've been promised an eternity in heaven, because Jesus Jesus gave me His Spirit, because of His grace and forgiveness, I'm going to forgive others, even though they've hurt me, even though they've wounded me, because I know how much I have hurt God's heart through my own sin and through my own actions. And I love this verse which in Hebrews 13, 5 and verse 6, which says, because God has said. What a great, what a great verse. Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Jesus gave us an opportunity to live with hearts that are unencumbered, uncluttered by all of the experiences of life that has caused us pain. Every now and again, my wife Di will go through our wardrobe. And she will unclutter. I think I've shared this before and I've had to deal with my own heart so I don't get a blockage of the heart with this. That one day I came home and all of my suits that I had that I brought from Australia were gone. Every single one. She'd given them all away except for one suit. I mean, I had suits that were given to me in Australia. I had Amani suits, I had Hugo Boss suits, I had Paul Smith suits, I had Versace suits. I She gave them all away. To unclutter our wardrobe. Because I never wear a suit here in California. I have one suit. I had to deal with my heart. But in all all seriousness, she did that to unclutter. We have so much clutter from the past. You know, I tend not to be, uh, I don't know, I I hold on to things. That's one of my weaknesses, I guess. Maybe it comes from my days when I was traveling, all those years when I was living off a dollar a day, and you never knew what you, you know, you, 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 you looked after what you had. 
I, I don't tend to throw things away. I tend to keep them. I never know. I might need that one day. Anyone else like that? And so we get a lot of clutter in our life. We hold on to a lot of things that we should let go. And it's a discipline. For me, it's a discipline. I have to let it go. We, had an, we, we have an umbrella side. I'm getting sidetracked, but this is part of it. We have an umbrella outside in the garden that, that we've had for many years, and it had fallen apart, and it was in tatters. And I had, you know, I got a, a needle and thread, and I, I sewed it up and put it back up. It worked perfectly well until our life group said, enough is enough. You need to get that. We're buying you a new one, but you have to promise you're going to throw the old one out. They needed photographic evidence of that before they gave it to me. But we're like that. We hold on to things. We don't let things go. Let's not live with a cluttered spirit. Let's not live with a cluttered heart. Let those things go because of the great love with which God loved us. We can say, I'm not going to live as a victim. I'm not going to live with those things coloring my thoughts or my attitudes, but I'm going to live as a victor. I'm going to be declaring all of the great things that God has done for me, all of the great things that God has done for His people, so that we can live with the flow of His life. Because the Word of God says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And we want to have a flow of God's presence, of God's grace in and through our lives. Can you say amen to that? Come on, let's stand together. We're going to sing. We're going to sing together and we're going to worship together for a few more moments.
Amen. Would you put your hand on your heart? I was just thinking then about so many times I've talked to people and very often to our kids and you ask them, why did you do that? Or why are you doing that? Or why do you feel that way? And they just say, because. Anyone ever had conversations like that? Because. Because why? Because. What do you mean by because? Because. Well, I think it's so important that we know that the because is in the right place in our hearts and in our lives. And I want to pray for you now. Put your hand on your heart. Father God, we thank you today for your amazing love and grace. Every one of us live in a world that is broken, live in a world that is filled with so much discord and there's so many opportunities for us to, for our hearts to become, to become hardened, for our hearts to be broken, for our hearts to become filled with, with bitterness. But Lord, we want our hearts to be pure. We want our hearts to know what it is to have a flow of your life and your grace. Help us, Lord. Where our hearts need to be healed, heal our hearts, we pray, through the work of your Holy Spirit. Where our hearts need to turn towards you, may our hearts turn towards you. And Lord, may you touch each and every one with the, the balm, the healing balm of your Spirit. Today we thank you for a new heart, a new spirit, new life that would flow through us unblock our hearts and Lord help us to keep our hearts with all diligence and for the issues of life to flow from it in Jesus name we pray amen if you're here today and you've never ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior or if you're watching online and you've never done that we can we can receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. That means that we acknowledge that we have sinned, that we've fallen short of God's perfection, which every human being that has ever lived has done, and that we need a Savior to restore us to right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus did that when He hung on the cross. He took upon Himself our sins every single person and he paid the penalty for our sins as he hung on that cross so that we could be forgiven our slate could be wiped clean and all we would have to do is say yes to Jesus I accept what you did for me and I receive your forgiveness I receive your spirit I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my heart and reside within me if you want to do that today, I want to encourage you, while every eye is closed, to pray this prayer with me. Whether it's online or whether you're here, and I know that God is going to answer your prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for my sins, for my failings, my wrongdoing. And I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I receive you, Jesus, 
I acknowledge you as my Savior. Forgive me. Thank you for a new start. Fill my life with your Spirit. Fill my heart with your presence. And help me to live the way you created me to live. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's give Jesus.